Uh, I want to kind of just address some things and talk briefly to you this morning. I'm not going to be uh, too long, but just want to share God's word with us to enable us to be who all God would have us to be. But from where I stand and just being in ministry in general, I am learning more and more that the presence of, of male um, figures in our family seems to be on a rapid decline. By what, by what I mean by that is that if we were to poll our congregation, specifically the family units that are here, and, and ask the question, how many of our family units consist of a mother, father, children, and then they worship together, we will find more and more that we have more of our women leading the role in coming to worship and coming and being a part of what God would have us to be, and the men being more absent, uh, more absent as it relates to bringing their family together in the work to worship God. Something is happening in society that's causing our men not to take their role in leadership, not only in the church, but I will say even in, to, in their families at, at home as well. If you leave that, say amen. Come on, say amen if you believe. I, want, I just want to kind of talk to us. You see, somewhere, somehow the lie got started, and now it's ra- running rampant that church going is, is strictly for a woman. I don't know where that lie got started, but somehow the lie got started and it's really running rampant that if a man, a man ought to take his position in the place of worship, that it's not manly, it feels feminine, it's not the right thing to do. Somehow, somewhere, that lie got started, and now it's being propagated all over the world that being a man in leadership, particularly in the home, is, is almost not the right thing to do. Now, I don't know, I don't know where that lie got started. I, I don't know how it's being propagated, but I'm going to stand before you and say there comes a point in time where as people of God, we need to put an end to the propagation of such untruths. Come on, does everybody agree with me want to say amen this morning? Yeah. You see, the problem as I see it is that the enemy, or let me just call him for what he is, Satan knows the true purpose of the male. And if he can stop men from being what God created them to do and to be, he can literally impact our future. Amen. Come on, I say it. And what we need to realize, and I didn't say this, but I want to say this now, that we're really engaged in a spiritual warfare, and, and the enemy knows how to fight. He knows that if I can strike the head, that the house is going to fall apart. You heard Madison, he kind of implied or hinted at this that it's difficult for a young man to be what he hasn't seen. And he's saying that it's important that the fathers step up, that the fathers take their role, because if, 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 if the enemy can intervene in the household and remove the visual of what a father is supposed to be, he can not only impact tomorrow's generation, but tomorrow and tomorrow's tomorrow's generation. Are you hearing me? By, by, by decapacitating or demasculating the family unit. But we got to put that back into the family so we can be who God would have us to be. This crisis with men being absent in the family is really taking, in America, it's really growing at a proportionate rate, and it really is a problem, and we need to reverse the, stri- the cycle so we can be the church, the ministry, the homes, the family that God has created us to be. I've got some stats that I want to put up here to kind of talk and and walk you through a couple of of slides just so we can kind of hit this to see what it's saying here. And what this slide is saying is that there's the the absence of the father in America is creating a crisis. Uh, 
Here's what it says. There's a crisis in America, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, that out of 24 children, million children in America, one out of three live without their biological father in the home. Come on, y'all, that's sad. That's sad. Are you with me? And it also goes on to say, consequently, there is a father factor in nearly all of the societal ills facing America today. Research shows that when a child is raised in a father-absent home, he or she is affected in the following ways. And I'm going to walk you through this. But what that is saying, because daddy is absent, it is impacting children sociologically in ways that we cannot even imagine. Are you? Come on, say amen if you're with me. Here, here, here are some of the ways, and I'm going to walk you through some of the, here, here are some of the ways. Women who are trying to raise children by themselves, they're four times greater to live a life of poverty because they can't make it on their own. Come on, say amen, women. That's not God's design. We want to we walk through that. I notice what it says. Um, you're, you're more than likely to have behavioral problems with children when dad is absent. Um, for... Uh, with, two times greater risk of infant mortality as it relates to mothers trying to give birth to children. Here's a staggering one. Incarceration is more likely for children who are raised in a home where the dad is absent. They're more likely to go to prison. Here's a couple more. Teenage pregnancy. This is striking. Seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. And the reason that is, is because daughters want something from their father. And when they don't get it from daddy, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go find someone, come on, say amen, y'all, who's going to take the place of dad, okay? Children are more likely to face abuse or neglect when daddy is not in the home. Child obesity, uh, two times more likely. Here's another one, substance abuse, highly likely when the father is not present in the life of the child. Here's a couple more statistics I want y'all to see. Um, crime. Boys and children are more likely to commit crime when daddy is absent. And here's the staggering one. You're two times more likely to drop out of high school when the father is not in the home. Does anybody agree that something needs to be done about that? Come on, say amen if you believe that. We need to reverse this cycle and deal with it. Let me read this. The proof is in uh, father absence harms children. The proof is in. Here's, listen to this. Many people believe that the family structure doesn't really matter. As long as a child, children are cared for and loved by someone, anyone. However, new research on father absence shows the old adage that correlation does not imply causation. I'll explain that. It does not apply to the effect of father absence on children. In other words, from many of our most intraceable social ills affecting children, father absence is to blame. Let me, let me help you with this real quick. So society is trying to fool us into thinking that as long as a child is loved by two individuals, they're going to be all right. Now, this is going to be anti-culture, but God's design, and I'll talk about this later, is not that two women raise boys. Oh, come on, y'all. I, I want y'all to hear me. It creates an imbalance or something that's not healthy in the life of the children. When daddy and mommy is not there, specifically when daddy is not there, it has an adverse effect on children. Look at this last one, then we're going to press through some things. 
So here's, here's uh, the positive impact of father's involvement. In a study examining father involvement with 134 children of adolescent mothers, over the first 10 years of life, researchers found that father-child contact was associated with better socio, what's that, emotional and academic functioning. The results indicated that children with more involved fathers experienced fewer behavioral problems and scored higher on reading achievement. This study showed that the significance of the role of fathers in the life of at-risk children, even in cases of non-resident father. Here's what that's saying. When daddy is connected to the child, they perform better. Are you with me? They perform better. They behave better. They do things a lot better. Here's some quick stats, then I'm going to move into the text this morning. Just facts. Um, compared to pregnant women without father support, okay, you have um, 22%. Um, compared to 41%, uh, what's that saying? Pregnant women with father support experience lower pregnancy, what's that? Prevalence of pregnancy loss. So if, if daddy is there, the likelihood of the child being born is a lot higher than when he is not. Here's a staggering one, okay? Individuals from father's absent home, 279% more likely to carry drugs, I mean, guns and deal drugs than peers living with their father. That is staggering. That is staggering. This is from the Father Initiative. Here's another striking one. 92% of parents in prisons are the dads. That's scary. Come on, y'all. Talk to me this morning. That's scary. That's scary. That's scary. Look at this one. Then I'll share one. So here's a fact. Allowing new fathers to be involved in caring for their children in the first day of life can have positive long-term benefits. So what that is saying is that the earlier in life dad gets involved in the life of the children, the more positive of an impact it has on the child over time as the child develops. Last one, then we're going to move to the text. There's a higher quality father-daughter relationship um, is a protective factor against engagement in risky sexual behaviors. I mentioned this earlier. When daddy is there, those young girls feel a lot more secure because they don't have to go look for the love of a father somewhere else. Are you with me? So a healthy bond between dad and daughter plays a critical role. I used to say this to my daughter all the time, that I'm going to love you so whoever you date know who they're competing with. Are you with me? Very, very important. Very, 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 very important that we need to look at these things. These stats say that, that, that there's a crisis, there's a fatherhood crisis in America, and something needs to be done about it. I believe that God's Word has an answer. I believe that God's Word tells us what, we can, what can be done about it. And more importantly, I believe that God's Word tells us how the family unit ought to function based on biblical norms. Does anybody in here believe the Bible? Come on, don't fool me now. Does anybody in here? Don't, don't fool me. If you're here, say you believe the Bible. Say amen. amen. I want us to go to God's Word before I get to Ephesians by way of just a little bit of a foundational information to kind of set the tone for what we're going to share in Ephesians. And we won't be in Ephesians long, but I kind of want to walk through this. So go with me to Genesis chapter uh, 2. 
And let me just lay some things down. And number one, before we even get to Genesis chapter 2 and as we go there, I need you to know with me that it is God's design that the family be built on a solid foundation. Amen. Come on, say, it's God's design. Now, y'all can talk louder than that. Come on, say, it's God's design that the family be built on a solid foundation. Come on, one more time. Say, it's God's design that the family be built on a solid foundation. Now, before I read Genesis chapter, chapter um, 2, before I read that, let me say this to you, and then we're going to let the text speak. Here, here's what you need to know about the building process. Now, if, if you have been any type of a construct, matter of fact, you don't even have to be a construction worker to understand this. If I am charted or slated or employed or hired to build a house, the first thing I do once the plans are done and the city, all the approvals and everything has been done is I, number one, I begin work on the foundation. Come on, say foundation. That's the first thing I do. I begin the work on the foundation as the foundation now is the building block for everything that's going to go on top of that house. I do not begin my construction work by after I have the plans and the city approval, I go off and I build a roof and then I set the roof over here and then I go build all the framing, build all the walls and then I put the walls over here and then next thing I go, lastly, is build a foundation and I try to take the walls and fit it on the foundation and put the roof on the wall. The first thing I build is the foundation. Now, the problem, the problem with, with, with society today is I think we miss that foundational or basic truth, and we go around trying to build houses with walls with no foundation. Oh, come on, y'all. Roofs with no walls, with no foundation, it will never work. So look with me, look with me at how God began the construction of humankind. Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read verse 4, and then we'll talk about it. Say amen if you're there. Verse 4 says, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord created, when the Lord made the earth and the heavens. Verse 5 says, when there was no bush of the field was yet on the land, and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land. And my translation says, and there was no man to work the ground. Before I even read, let me, let me say this. God did not allow things to be fully developed in the earth realm because a man did not exist to work the ground. So notice what it continues, verse 7, it says, Then the Lord God, he formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed into the nostril, his nostril the breath of life, and man became a living creature. Now notice this. When God now was already, was he, when he was prepared for the earth to do what the earth was supposed to do, after he had created the earth, the first thing he did was he created man. Come on, say he created man. One more time, say he created man. Now look at the very next thing after he created man. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden, in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed, okay? Jump over to verse 15. Come on, y'all, jump there real quick. Notice what verse 15 says. It says, the Lord God then took the man and put him in the garden to do what? To work it and to do what? 
to keep it. Now, process and order is very, very important for you to not miss this. Because notice with me in Genesis chapter 2, God first of all created the earth, then he created man to work the earth, and then the very next thing he did after he created man or laid the foundation was he, cre- he planted a garden. And I like this because verse 15 says he didn't have the man in isolation and the garden over here and had the two separated. He brought them together by way of foundation in that he took the man he created and placed him in the garden. And then it says, verse 15, he says, now work it and take care of it. Y'all missing this. Let me tell you why that's important. Because before a woman came on the scene, God made sure that the foundation could adequately take care of itself. Let me say it in English. He made the man, then he gave the man a job. Oh, I need something. Come on. Don't miss that. Don't, Don't miss that. So it's almost like man without job is not a proper foundation. That came from somewhere. I don't know where that came from, but I don't want y'all to miss that. Are you with me? It's the foundation waiting for a garden before a woman shows up. Yeah, yeah. You you, you see, things are out of order when you try to take a man that's not in a garden working and make him a husband. He don't know what it is to be a good foundation yet because he ought to be able to provide for himself, take care of himself. I want y'all to hear me, to take care of the garden, to dress it, to take care of it, to make sure every doggone thing the foundation need is in place by itself. Come on, are you hearing me? Foundation must exist by itself, all right? Now, now my, wife, my wife was joking with me this morning, and she kind of jokingly said to me, I hope she was joking, you're joking, right? She said, if, you, if I go off the scene or if I die, and Lord, she ain't going nowhere because, you know, y'all know the deal, she's going to live forever. Um, <laughs> she said, you'll be the first to get married, and you get married really quick. And I said, why would you say something like that? You don't cook, you don't clean, you don't do this, you don't, you know. And she run out. So, so uh, baby, listen, I'm a good foundation. I learn how to cook. I learn how to keep because I understand God's order. Are you with me? I understand his order. If we don't understand God's order, we put false expectation on the woman when she comes on the scene. Oh, y'all don't want to hear this. You don't want to hear this. Are you with me? Let, let me help you. Let me help you with this, this illustration. So here's the deal. I build a wall, I build a foundation, then once the foundation is established in the home, the very next thing is I start building walls onto the foundation. Come on, y'all know this. Now, please understand with me, when the wall is built, the wall is not the foundation. Oh, come on, talk to me this morning. The purpose, you, you start building walls, and, and, and the, the challenge with some of these walls is that they're load-bearing walls. And what that means is the design of the, 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 the wall is to help carry the load of the foundation so you can start putting the roof on top of the wall, and then the walls start to ease off some of the weight that's resting on the foundation. Are you with me? The problem with women in today's society, because they are load-bearing, they fool themselves into thinking they're the foundation. Come on now, load-bearing walls are designed to help carry the weight with the foundation, not move the foundation out of the place and carry the load by yourself. Are you with me? The load-bearing wall rests on the foundation, then the roof goes on top. So here's what happens. You have the foundation, you have the wife, then you have the load of the children. The design is not that the wife carry the load of the children by herself without the foundation. 
Are you hearing me this morning? Here's what will happen if you have a load-bearing wall without a proper foundation. The wind starts to blow. Storm starts to rise. And here's what happened to the poor women in our society. I can't do this by myself. I can't carry this by myself. Where you're a load-bearing wall, you're not the foundation. You're supposed to be resting on a foundation while you carry the load. Are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me? We've got to get this thing back because what happened is too many foundations have been removed. Come on. And we allow, or, or, let me say it this way. I'm going to get in trouble. Or you got a foundation trying to hold this wall and that wall at the same time. The design is to carry this wall. I know I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Are you with me? But carry one house, not four. Let's, let's move on real quick. All right. <laughs> I get in trouble. It is falling. Brothers, we cool? Yeah, we good. Yeah. We, we good, brothers? Come on, talk to me. The truth is the truth is the truth. Are you with me? The foundation is there. Then everything is built on the foundation. Very, very, very important. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let me show you this in Ephesians chapter 5. This is very, very important on the foundation because the thing has gotten out of place and the crisis in America is that men are being displaced and we don't understand how important we are to the family unit. Family cannot exist without the foundation. And we got load-bearing walls doing stuff load-bearing walls are not designed to do. Go to, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Let me start here. Let me show you another passage and, and we're going to get to our text. Ephesians 5 and 22. Say amen if you're there. Yeah, I said this morning, I can't read, I can't read 22 without doing 21 because the brothers done looked down at 22 and they about to stand up and say, read, preacher, read. No. <laughs> you, can't, you can't appreciate 22 if you don't understand 21. Are you with me? Come on, talk to me. Yeah. Notice, notice, notice what 21, 21 says. Submitting to one another out of what? Reverence for who? One more time, one more time. Submitting to one another out of what? Reverence for Christ. Before I even read to the next one, you know, here's what it says. Foundation says the load-bearing wall, I need you. Load-bearing wall says the foundation, I need you. Because uh, if we don't have each other, roof has nowhere to hang. Oh, somebody just missed that. Somebody just missed that. Somebody just missed that. And our children today are saying to foundation and load-bearing wall, where are you? I feel like I'm hanging out there by myself, submitting to one another. Come on, are you with me? Out of reverence for Christ. So here's order now. Here's what it goes to say. It says here, wives 22, submit to your own husband. Wish I had a husband that would holler, your own. <laughs> Don't say it. You'll get in trouble. Your own husband, as to the Lord. Verse 22 says, for the husband is the head. The Greek word kafala is used there, meaning that he's the source or the foundation of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he is himself its savior. Now, verse 24 says, as the church submits to Christ so also wives should submit to their husbands, and I love this, in everything, okay? Now, notice what verse 25 uh, says. 
Husbands, love your wife how? As Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her with the washing of water and the word so that he might present her, and I love this phrase, this phrase to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own body. Let me read this. And he who loves his wife loves himself. Now, now I said this this morning. I feel I need to say it again right now. Here's what you need to know about this foundation wall husband-wife relationship and me being the father or the foundation of the family. Being foundation is extremely difficult. It is. It is. Brothers, come on, y'all don't say amen right there. Come on, I need more men than that. Come on, brother, say amen. It's extremely difficult work, and it's hard work, because here's what the text says. If I read it carefully, the reason my wife submits to Christ is because she trusts Christ. She knows God loves her. She knows he would never harm her. She knows he would never do anything to defame her, okay? So here's what that means. If I'm the foundation... I, and I expect my wife to change, change must first begin in me before it goes to her. Oh, come on, y'all got to get this. I cannot expect her as the foundation to do anything that I'm not willing to do. Come on, let, this going to get me even in more trouble. But if I go back to Genesis chapter 2, if the dishes needed cleaning when God placed man in the garden, it wasn't the woman's job to do it. The man had to, y'all don't want to hear this, y'all don't want to hear this, y'all don't want to hear this, y'all don't want to hear this. If the food needed to be cooked in the garden when God placed man in the garden, the man had to learn, y'all don't want to hear, y'all want to hear, y'all want to hear. If the house needed cleaning, she was not on the scene yet. The foundation had to be self-supporting, self-sufficient before the walls showed up. If you're waiting for a wall, to show up to make things right, you're missing it. So it's out of that context, I'm saying if there's problems in the home, I can't say, girl, you need to stop arguing with me. I need to stop arguing with her. Does that make sense? If the house is in chaos, I can't tell her to stop because if you read Genesis all the way down to chapter 3 and onward, when the enemy came, even though he tempted Eve, God showed up and went to the foundation. Adam, what happened? Man, this is hard work. Y'all don't want to be men no more. It's hard. Come on, fellas. Women just say, we love you anyway, men. Come on, come on, come on, say it again. Say, we love you anyway, man. Very, very important. But we have work to do if we're going to be the foundations of our household. Women, stop pretending you're the foundation. You're a load-bearing wall to work in conjunction with the foundation. Are you with me? And the problem with society today, I'm going to get in trouble for this one, is we're taking women and we're trying to make them foundations and put other women on top. Not God's design. I don't care what culture is doing. 
I don't care what culture is saying. I don't care how culture is shifting and or adjusting. We hold truth to the biblical premise of God's word, and we follow what God's word says. Come on, say amen. Are you hearing me? If God says it, we believe it, and we obey it, and that settles it regardless of where culture is going. Does that make sense? We're the foundation. So now let me, let me, let me move on. Let me move on with this. And so now in the context of that foundation, he now speaks to daddies, right? He now speaks to the foundation. And so here's what, here's what he says. Before I can even get to Ephesians chapter 6, go to, go to chapter 5, Ephesians 5. Because you need this, then I'm going to hurry on. You need this. Verse 18 said, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And look at verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the what? Spirit. Come on, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making godly uh, melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what that says. If I'm going to be a good parent, if I'm going to be, let me, Daddy, I must be filled with the Spirit because if I'm not filled with the Spirit, here's what I'm going to do. Provoke my child to anger. Okay? And the text is clear. Do not provoke your child to anger. Here's seven quick things I want to walk through. Uh, in the interest of time, let me just hit this real quick. But here are seven ways that a father can provoke their children, and we need to learn not to do this. Number one... As a father and the foundation of our house, you need to learn how to make more withdrawals than deposit. Let me explain that. Let me explain that. If you got two boys, don't, or daughters, don't, don't say to one, don't say to one, you're my favorite, and the other, you're not. That's a withdrawal. Does that make sense? You make more deposits than withdrawals. You both my favorite. Come on, y'all. You both, both my boys. Does that make sense? Okay. Don't, 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 don't show favoritism. Don't, 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 don't treat one crazy and treat the other a certain way. They both, because when the one sees what's happening with the other, operative term I'm using, when they see how you treat one or the other, they're going to think that's how it's supposed to be. Does that make sense? Okay, let me hurry on. Um, don't resort to physical or verbal abuse. Watch how we speak to our children. Come on, Dad. Words breathe life. Be careful how we speak to our children. True illustration, I have a brother um, that when we were growing up, we would all, and you heard me say this before, we would all we'd say to him, you're going to mount to nothing. You're going to be a garbage man. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. Well, you know what? After a while, he starts believing that. Then he started following that path because we, 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 we spoke wrong thing, verbal abuse and physical abuse. It'll create crazy stuff. Look at number three. Uh, don't be emotionally absent. I like that. I really, really like that because at times as a dad, it's real easy for me to be guilty of that. Okay? Here's what that looks like. You come home from work. You go to the dinner table to eat dinner that you should have cooked in the first place. I'll let that go. And then <laughs> you come from the dinner table and you go straight to the man cave. Then the boy or the girl comes home. Hey, daddy, how you doing? Leave me alone. I'm in my man cave. This is my quiet time. And every day, 24-7, is quiet time with you and ESPN. 
You're there, but you're not there. Does that make sense? You're there, but you're not there, okay? Don't be emotionally absent. And don't publicly humiliate or criticize your children. Come on, that's provoking them to wrath. Um, and, 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 and don't position yourself where you are no fun. I was just sharing with First Service, I, I, I just finished my 30-day stint with three grandchildren. Thank Jesus for the end of 30 days. Man, I'm so happy to see them boogers go. Now, I love them. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. But after 30 days, yeah, I woke up. When they leave Thursday, we woke up Friday morning. The house was so quiet. We happened. Did they die? We forgot they had gone home. <laughs> you forgot that they had gone. Are you with me? Because we got peace and quiet. But while they were here, I had an obligation to be fun to them. Are you with me? I had an obligation to spoil them, to spend everything I had on them, and then send them back to their broke mom and daddy. You know? <laughs> Because, because here's what happened. Those grandkids will never forget going to grandma and grandpa's house as long as they live. Are you with me? They will never forget that. Our kids ought to be the same thing with the daddies. They ought to never forget those times that they spent with their fathers. We ought to be fun like that. Come on, say amen, okay? Number six, give them some money. Quit being so cheap. That's all I'm going to say about that, Okay. And then number seven, say I am sorry when you blow it. This is important. Say I am sorry when you blow it. True story, and I'm going to hurry on. I have three kids. We got back from a family reunion in Atlanta. I think it was earlier this year. Was it earlier this year? Or late last year? Thanksgiving last year. I'm going to Atlanta. And I'm thinking I'm going to have a great time with all my family. I get there, and my oldest son calls a family meeting. And so it's me, Katani, my immediate clan. And so I go in this meeting, oh, Lord, can we hurry this up so I can get to the turkey? And Gerald proceeds to tell me everything I did wrong as a dad growing up. Talk about jacking up my vacation time. He gets done, Veronica chimes in. I'm like, oh, I'm stacked the deck on a brother. You know, me starts to rise by then. Yeah, I ain't no punk now. Come on, man. I'm still the dad up in here, up in here, up in here. But then Eddie chimes in. Eddie, I'm like, oh, all three. <laughs> by this time... <laughs> I mean, they ganged up, and Katani in the corner like. <laughs> but here's what I did. I listened, and there was a lot of validity to what they were saying. I had to say, I'm sorry. I had to say, I'm sorry. Matter of fact, they like me saying I'm sorry so much that Gerald has a habit now. Every month he calls me, hey, Dad, you remember that time? when <laughs> I'm listening to it. I said I'm sorry once, all right? You know? <laughs> but, but the point is this. Be genuine with your kids. Let them see that you're human too. Let them see that you blow it. Let them see that you mess up from time to time. That way they will know when they mess up, it's okay to apologize. Yeah. 
Are you with me? They will know it is okay to apologize. There is nothing soft in saying I'm sorry. Come on, man. I want you all to hear me say that, okay? Nothing soft in saying that. Two more, then I'm done. So notice what the text says. So it says, Father, now raise your children in the discipline of the Lord. Now, I need to say a note about this. This, this, this is, does not mean that you need to spank them, beat them, on and on, in the discipline of the Lord. Max Madison kind of hinted at this when he was talking. I don't want to flesh this out a little bit. He kind of said, we need to see you. We need to see you. Here's how I paraphrase that. A young boy can't be what he hasn't seen. Are you with me? Okay, they can't be what they haven't seen. If they haven't seen daddy be daddy, they won't know how to be daddy. They may have an idea, but they really don't know how to do it. I'm saying that to say this. I grew up in a home where my father was a strict disciplinarian. I mean, we're talking strict, strict, strict. He was a provider. He loved us to death. But the only way we knew he loved us was with that belt doing its thing. Are you with me? And, and so, so here's how that played itself out. When I grew up, all I saw was correction and adjustment in my home. I saw a man working, a man providing for, and here's what I said coming out of that house. When I grow up and have my own family, I am not going to yell at my kids. I'm not going to beat them. I'm not going to be like my daddy. I don't think Gerald barely made it out the womb. <laughs> I'm acting like my father. Why? That's all I saw. That's all I saw. That's all I knew of parenting. That's all I knew a father is supposed to do. I got married, and the same problems my dad had in his relationship has found its way into my relationship. And here's what I'm saying to my wife. What's wrong with you, woman? I got a good job. I'm providing. I got a roof over your head. I'm paying the bills. What do you want? Don't you see I love you? To me, that was the definition of love. I had never seen affection. Are you with me? I have never seen dad being gentle. I'd never seen him being caring. I've never seen him hug mom. I'd never seen him kiss her. I had never seen those things, so I didn't know how to do it because I'd never seen it. A boy can't be what he hasn't seen. Fathers, show your sons. That's what discipline is. Teach them how to do it right. Let them see you. It's okay. Eddie, Eddie still lives with us. He walks around the house. Ugh, gross. Boy, I'm trying to show you something. Come here, woman. <laughs> Y'all too old for that. We just getting started, boy. <laughs> but I'm trying to help him be what I was not. Are you hearing me? Are you hearing me? Okay. Raise him up in the discipline of the Lord. And the last one is this. Raise your children, fathers, in the instruction of the Lord. Instruction of the Lord. Said a lot of crazy things about my dad, but one thing I can say about him. My dad gave his life to Christ when I was 11 years old. And the reason I know 11, because I got saved a year later. And I'm standing here in front of you because how my father raised me in the instruction of the Lord. I came out of a home where mom was not the one that was going to say, let's go to church. It was dad. Are you with me? Dad was the one that would say, I credit a lot of my memorization of scripture to my father 
because he would sit at that dinner table and instruct us in the way of the Lord because when he gave his heart to Christ, he sold out to God. Sold out to God. He might not have known how to do a whole lot of stuff, but his goal was to raise his family in the instruction of the Lord. And I stand, I stand in front of you to say that every child of his that grew up in that house that I grew up in are still faithfully serving God in ministry somewhere years and years and years later because we were raised in the instruction of the Lord. Father, Proverbs 22 says it this way, train up a child in the way he should go that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Don't compromise on that. As the foundation of our homes, we have a lot of work to do. But being filled with the Spirit, come on, Pastor K, come on, worship team. You can do it. You can make it. You can do it. Here's what I want to do this morning. I want every man to stand, every man in this place. I want to pray for you. I think by virtue of the fact that men are here this morning, you are violating the norm. Come on, ladies, let's celebrate our men. Let's celebrate our men. Celebrate our men. Come on, men, young boys all over the place. Come on, stand up, stand up. Wherever you are, if you're a male, stand for a while. We want to celebrate you and we want to pray. We want to pray with you this morning to let you know that we stand with you. Ladies, if you're standing next to a man, either grab hands with them, touch them, or sit next to a man, something. Just let them know that you're there with them. And then we're going to pray this morning to cover these men so that they will not be a statistic. So that will not be, they will not be a victim of society. They will not be the absentee dads that we just got through talking about. We're going to allow God to be God in our midst. Come on, stretch your hand over these men. We're going to cover them in prayer. Pastor Kay is going to pray. And then she's going to lead us in the rest of the service. Stretch your hands over them. Go ahead, babe. Pray. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Father, we thank you for such a rich word today, God. Yes. Father God, thank you for taking us back, Father God, to the foundation of man, God. Father God, you, recreate, you, you created the male first, Lord. Mm. You created everything that he needed to know, God. You taught him. You put him in that garden, God, to work it and to till it, Lord. So as women, we come alongside them, Lord, as their helpmate, Father. So Father, we lift up the men in this house today, Lord. We thank you for them, Father God, the men that are watching online. We thank you for them, Lord. And Father God, this, this sermon makes us become better women, Father God. It teaches us to take our place, Father God, in this situation of marriage, Father God. So Father, we honor them today, Lord. And we thank you, Father God, for their creation. We thank you, Father God, for their hard work, Lord. Father God, even if they don't get it right, Father God, your word, Father God, will redirect them, Lord. So for the word that has gone out, Father God, I ask that it penetrate the hearts of all of us, Father God, not just the men, Father God, but the women too, Lord, to know, Father God, that you are the creator, you are the founder, you are their foundation, Lord, and that you give us second chances, God. So if we're not doing it right or we're messing up, Lord, we submit to you today, God. And we thank you for such a rich word, Lord. Bless every father that is here, every male child that is here, God. We thank you for them, Lord. And we ask that you bless them in Jesus' name. Amen, amen.